0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I feel led to do this. How many here today would say by a raised hand that you are dealing with something in your physical body? There's something in your physical body you need prayer for, you need God to do something. Amen. Lots and lots and lots of hands. Praise God. I want to take a moment and I want to pray over you and I want to believe God. And I want you to expect a miracle. Amen. Our God is a miracle working God. His Bible, His word is true. It's clear that by His stripes, we've been made whole. We've been healed. Jesus took those stripes upon His back and His body deliberately to pay the price. A price has been paid so that you can walk in healing, so that you can walk in health and wholeness. Amen? It doesn't matter what the doctor says. I love doctors. I know they're important. We need them. But it doesn't matter what they say. What it matters is what Jesus said. And Jesus said, you are whole. He said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. That, that word whole is not just, she, it wasn't that she just got healed of her condition. She was healed, she was forgiven, and she was delivered. The whole package. Jesus doesn't, he saves to the uttermost, Hebrew says. And he doesn't do it halfway. He doesn't do just enough to get by. He does it all. Can you say amen? amen. And he, he wants to heal, save, and deliver your body, soul, and spirit. Can you say Amen. amen. So I want you to pray with me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I lift up these that have raised their hand. Father, we thank you, God, that your word declares that you have paid the price for our healing. So Lord, we receive that healing right now in our body. Lord, no matter if it's just a headache or if it's some sort of long-term condition, a disease, Father, we take authority over it, we bind it, and we command it to loose its hold and to leave our body. And Father, we release right now, Holy Spirit, we release right now the Word of God. We release the healing power of Jesus to rest right now upon our bodies. Lord, all pain has got to go in Jesus' name. Lord, all symptoms must go. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare everyone in this room and those that are even watching online, we declare them healed in the name of Jesus. It's done, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. Now, we will look forward to hearing your testimony, and if you uh, should discover shortly that you are healed Let us know, very quickly, we want to be able to steward that testimony. You say, what's that all about? We believe that the testimonies of Jesus are the spirit of prophecy. You say, where does that come from? Revelations 19.10, you can read it. And you say, what does that mean? That means a testimony has the power To predict what will happen for someone else in the future. That's why we share our testimony. We believe that God did it for us. If he did it for us, he will do it for you. Can you say amen? Well, praise God. We are going to uh, finish up today. We are going to put the capstone on our series uh, that we started at the beginning of the year called Rooted. I normally don't go, like going this many uh, uh, sermons in a series because sometimes it can get a little monotonous or we can get bogged down, but I felt it necessary to to do this um, partly because of the fact that this, to me, uh, is such a rich and an important part of our Christianity. And what we've been talking about is we've been talking about growing. Can you say Amen. We've been talking about being rooted and developing a deep root system in Jesus. And this is something that I think uh, every Christian needs to grab a hold of. Now, listen to me today, because sometimes sermons can, it's it's funny, as we go to church, we can categorize sermons. We We can categorize them, well, you know, somebody really got you know the preacher's dander up today he's talking to somebody you know and or we can we can begin to think that these things don't apply to us but what i want you to do is i want you to stay open minded and i want you to listen and i want you to locate where you're at in this process because i understand just from the sake of 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 living life long enough <clears throat> i understand how easy it is to uh, hear a sermon and not have it affect us. I, I, to go away and be unmoved by it, okay? And so what we have to do is we have to take this in. Now, as I look around the room and look at our congregation, I know that our congregation is an older congregation. It's, we, we've got a lot of older people here. We've got young people, but we have a lot of older people. And I want to say this to you, that it doesn't matter how old you are is anyone here 140 or above okay if you're under 140 this applies to you now you say well why would you say that pastor because see i i you know i'm not the ancient of days by any stretch of the imagination but i am getting older and i find how easy it is getting older to put life on cruise control um, to kind of just kind of go with the flow. And, you know, you say, well, why is that? It's funny because, you know, things that used to not matter seem to matter now. And things that didn't matter then, you know, or I'm, I don't know if I'm saying it backwards. But in other words, things are changing in my life. You say, what do you mean? Kathy and I went to dinner last night, and we went to dinner at 3.30 in the afternoon. We, we were there before the early birds were there. You know what I mean? It's like, why is that? And I even mentioned, I even commented to her as we're driving down the road. I said, Do you remember when we were young? I, you know, things weren't even getting moving until about 9 p.m. I mean, you know, and it was like, now it's like we got to have dinner so we could get home, so we can kind of calm down before we got, you know, and at nine o'clock, I'm checking did I take all my medicine? You know, am I, re- am I ready for bed? You know, and it's like, it's like you know after a while what can happen is we get older and we can think well you know my time has passed and so all that growth stuff and maturity and walking in Jesus and you all of that I don't need that now because really I'm just kind of getting through until I go home to be with Jesus well the truth is is that I love what Andy said you know if you're not dead you ain't done okay if you ain't dead you're not done Okay, and, and so I, I love the story of Abraham. I mean, you know, he's, he, he gets a promise. I think he, the promise came to him when he was 75 years old. And it took 25 years for that promise to come to pass that he would be the father of many nations and all he had was two kids. The first one was his attempt. The second one was God's promise. Can you say amen? And we know how that worked out when he tried to fix things. It, it didn't work out so well. And so what's the point? The point is is that it doesn't matter where we're at on the time scale. All of this, this this reality of us growing into the kingdom is real for us. And one of the things that we talked about is we talked about the measurement of growth and and to be able to to be able to see if we're really growing is really about the fruit of our lives. A lot of people they 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 what they do is they try to measure what's happening in their life by how much time they have in. It's like, well, I've been in the church for 55 years. Well, that don't mean nothing. No, no, come on, give, give me a break. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me yet. It does mean something. Faithfulness is something. That's good, but Jesus wanted fruit. He says, I chose you, you didn't choose me, and I chose you that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, amen? And so one of the things about growth is that growth means that we're heading towards fruit bearing, that fruit bearing is a part of the process, and it is the measurement of the quality of what has grown in me. Jesus said this, you will know them by their fruit. He said, that's how you're going to know what's good and bad. He goes, you don't pick good fruit off bad trees or bad fruit off of good trees. He said, you're going to know them. You're going to know what the nature is of that tree based on the fruit that comes from that tree. Can you say amen to that? And so what, what is that saying to us? It's saying that God is interested in the Bible clearly teaches this morning that Jesus wants us to move towards a mature walk. In Jesus. Spiritual growth this morning is not an option. It's not. We should never stop growing never the problem in christianity that i see is i see how many people just come to a place where they grow so far and they don't go any further it's like i've told you before i've told you that salvation is really a door jesus said i'm the door to the sheepfold i you know going through christ we come into the kingdom of god through christ through salvation can you say amen the problem is, is many of us are content to hang out in the foyer and never explore what God has done for us. We don't want to get any further than the foyer. We don't want to get any further. We just hang out at the door. And that's okay. I mean, you know, somewhere along the line, that's a good thing. But God has so much more for us in his intention. The problem, without, with, the problem with not growing is the tendency is to go backwards, See, one of the things I lear- learned early on in my discipleship is that there is no neutral in the kingdom of God. Either you're going forward or you're going to begin to head backward. And so, somewhere, what we have to understand is this thing growing is not an option. It is, re- it is as real and vital to living and life as physical growth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so in the last several weeks, we've talked about three critical factors in growing a healthy root system, growing that root system that's going to um, uh, manage and and be in charge of the, the fruit that comes from our life, and we've talked about those conditions or we've talked about those factors, and the first one was trust. We talked about trust, being able to trust Him with all of our heart. That somewhere along the line, this, the ability to grow in him really is going to require that we trust him. And, you know, church, I'll have to be honest with you, that's not easy. I don't know about you, but trusting him can be a very difficult process. And the problem is, is because God doesn't always work like we do. God doesn't always see what we see. He doesn't always um, um, think like we think. And so sometimes our timelines get mixed up. His, his, uh, His plan, his idea doesn't always fit our idea. So somebody has to submit in the process. Can you say amen? And we have to trust him to submit to that. Then we talked about being rooted in the word. Church, I'm going to tell you, there is no substitution for the Word of God for our lives. If we think that somehow we can do what we're doing and do what God calls us to do without the Word of God, we are fooling ourselves. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that when we look into the law of liberty, which is, excuse me, the Word of God, and then do not do it, we deceive ourselves. We forget what manner of man we are. There has to, we have to do the word. The word has to become a part of our lives. Can you say amen? And then we talked about prayer. And to be honest with you, I hate even saying it that way because prayer conjures up so many different things that really fall short of what I'm trying to, to, to communicate. What I'm really talking about is I'm talking about fellowship with the Father, I'm talking about fellowship with Holy Spirit and with Jesus. I'm talking about where you have conversations, where you share lives, where you know the Bible says Jesus talking in, in, in the uh, book of Revelations, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and he's talking to Christians. He's on the outside knocking. And he says, if anyone opens the door and lets me come in, I will sup with them. In other words, I will have fellowship with them. That's what we're talking about in prayer. We're not just talking about some religious calisthenic or, 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 or some mechanical calisthenic. We're talking about fellowship with the Father. Are you hearing me? So trust the word and fellowship. And we've talked about these uh, for the last few weeks. Now this morning... Uh, As we bring this series to a close, I want to look at one more factor that in my mind is an absolute for healthy growth in our walk with Jesus. And this is where we have to locate ourselves, church. This is where we have to really get honest. So look at a very familiar portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Now, this is a powerful portion of Scripture, and the first thing that we have to do to understand this is understand who is he talking to. He is writing to the Roman Christians, the the Christians in Rome that have already come to know Christ. They've come into this place, and he says this. He says, I beseech you, brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. What is he saying? There is a positioning positioning of our lives that is necessary for growth and walking in the lord can you say amen he says i want you to present yourself i want you to be a living sacrifice that's holy that's acceptable to god which is the reasonable service or it's the least you could do can you say amen so there is, in this portion of Scripture, there is an intentionality, there is a decision, there is a discipline, if I can use that word. There's training involved here. There's a positioning. And with anything in life, we always know this, it doesn't matter uh, what, what you're doing in life, there is a common idea that life requires what are called in, uh, in-flight adjustments, You know, if you know anything about flying, you know that a pilot's job is to always bring small corrections to the airplane to keep that airplane on course. Why? Because there are elements, there are things that oppose that plane from flying. Flying is not natural, right? Right. There's a thing, there's a law. It affects everybody Rich. Poor, young, old, good looking, ugly, doesn't matter. It's called gravity. I don't care who you are, if you jump off this stage, you will hit the ground. It doesn't matter if you're a feather or if you're me, you're going to hit the ground. Gravity works. And so when something is flying, there's a force called gravity. There's also a resistance. There's wind resistance. There's wind direction. There's all these different things that are opposing that plane. And so the pilot's job is to make in-flight adjustments, small adjustments, to keep those things which are trying to resist its intention from happening. That is true whether you're driving a car That's true whether you're having a marriage, a business, or trying to live for God. There are in-flight adjustments. And this is what he's talking about here. He's talking about being intentional. We're changing. We're, we're making things happen so that we can be what God's called us to be. And then he says this remarkable statement, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, think about this for a minute. He talks about conformity to the world. He's talking to Christians. So he says, look it, you don't want to be conformed to the world as a Christian, but it's possible because there is, in First Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about maturity. He talks about, I had to write to you as carnal Christians. In other words, you were a, a Christian that had given yourself, you were still given to the things of this world, to the old life. It's not that, that what Jesus did was not effective. It was effective. Jesus is always effective, it's not the fact that you're not saved, you are saved. It's your choosing at that moment to pay attention to something that you're not. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to blow your mind. You are not a sinner. If you are saved, you are not a sinner. Is that, how do you know that? Read Rome, uh, um, I'm sorry, Romans chapter six. He says, when you died, you died to sin. You put the body of sin to death. Now you get to choose what you're going to do. He said, well, I sometimes sin. You're right, you do, because you made a bad choice. But that is not the rule of your life. That is not your nature. It is not who you are. Paul writes this. He says, he says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He says, I live through Christ. In other words, the old man is dead. Now here, I'm going to throw a little theology on you. The Bible says this. He says, our war is not with flesh and blood. I would submit to you that your war is not with your flesh and blood. It's dead. It's dead. but with principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. And you say, well, why are they so powerful? Only because when we pay attention to that, we empower them. When we pay attention to what Jesus has done, it empowers us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we can walk free. That's why he says in Romans 6, he says, likewise, consider yourselves dead. In other words, Don't pay attention to that. You're dead. You're gone. It's over. You're alive in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, you are a brand new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Now, the interesting thing about this is the reason that this is sometimes difficult for us is because there is a duality in this. And you say, what does that mean? That means I am both saved and becoming saved. I am both free and becoming free. There's a process. That's why work out your own salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so this is why this, what we're talking about here, becomes so important. Because it's possible to be conformed to the world. But if we make the right choice, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, the reality for the Christian is we are no longer the same. We have been transformed. And it's high time that we as Christians learn about and grow in and live out this new life. The problem I see is many Christians, in many Christians, it's very hard to tell if the gospel message has really had any effect at all. Amen. Now listen to me, church. I love this church and I love you. And it's not my goal to be negative, nor is it to be controversial or even confrontational. But there's a reality here. See, the very heart of the Christian faith revolves around change and growth. We can't just say, well, that's what I am and do nothing about it. There has to be something we embrace. There has to be something we grab a hold of and apply to our life. It's not just making a few adjustments or additions to our schedule, but it's being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's about living a new way with a new identity, with a new way of thinking, with a new way of living. Now, here, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey, and I want to give you a thought, and I want you to listen. Because if there's anything that I have learned in this life, it's this. That dysfunctional living comes from dysfunctional thinking. Okay? Reinhard Bunke made this statement. I love this quote. He says, if you keep stumbling over the same stones, you are walking in circles. (laughs) <laughs> it's nothing like just good old cowboy sense, isn't it? It's like, how come I keep stumbling over this? Because you keep coming back to it. It's pretty simple. I'm... Anyway. See, one of the gifts of our salvation is a sound mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the ability to think clearly, to be self-controlled. And I'm convinced that the reason we fail is because we fail to understand the importance of our thought life. Listen to me. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So why is that? See, thoughts literally can shape our lives. Why? Because thoughts often turn into words. And words have the power to bring life or death. See, the greatest battle this morning that's being fought today is the battle that's raging right now in your mind. In the mind of every person in this building, there is a war that's continually being waged. Every doubt, every fear every moment of unbelief, every season of temptation, every lust, every frustration, every insecurity is a battle that is fought in the mind. Hell knows this morning that if he can assault your mind, he can assault you on every aspect of your life. See, when you get angry with somebody, it begins in the mind. It's a battle in the mind. We've all done it. My imagination is healthy, and there are times when things happen, whether it's because of misunderstanding or because uh, maybe I wasn't part of the whole conversation or maybe I misread a look or maybe I I misread somebody's statement or whatever it was. It's something was sewn into me that creates a, a sense of anger. Now, the Bible tells me to get a hold of that very quickly and to deal with that. But if I spend any time thinking about it, I give that anger power and a life that can get out of control. Are you hearing me? And I've done it. I've done it in church. I've gotten angry. I've had conversations with with people and walk away from that like, what's that all about? And then begin to think about it. And all the way through the whole song service, in my mind, I'm pondering and thinking and pondering. And before you know it, I'm chasing them around with a gun. And, 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 and then, you know, I accidentally shoot when I don't intend to. And now i got to hide out. And before the song service is over, I'm in Mexico City hiding out from the federales. Right on. All in my mind. Right on. All in my mind. And I can swear up and down, that's God. I'm, that's, God's given me revelation. No, it ain't. See, when you're worried, the battle is in your mind. Look at, let me say this to you. When you're drawn away and enticed with temptation, the battle is in your mind. Listen, the Bible tells us very clearly That when we're tempted, we're drawn away and enticed by a desire. It's a desire inside of us. And the Bible says when temptation is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is matured, it brings forth death. And so there's a process. You say, what's happening? Well, that temptation has to be conceived somewhere. Where is that temptation conceived? It's conceived in our mind. See, when we when that temptation comes, it's a flash, it's a thought. And it hits our mind. And if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with that, then we begin to think about that. When you begin to think about that, you're had. Because now what's happening is it's going to give way to a decision. It's going to give way to a thought, a, a word. And it began in the mind. See, when you feel unwanted, when you feel alone or insecure, it's the battle in the mind. And the strategy is to move us, to move our minds away from faith to unbelief, to move us away from spirituality to carnality, to move us from heavenly to earthly, from truth to lie. And the goal is to gain control, to manipulate our thinking and to influence our minds. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is the problem this morning. People just don't control what they think. What they think controls them. See, most of us grow up just letting our minds run wild with whatever thought comes into it. Yes, we do. We, we do. We, we just run wild with it. And when things happen in life, we don't tell our minds what to think. Our minds tell us what to do. And we become slaves to our thoughts. And it's not surprising that horrible things happen as a result. Here's the power of Christianity, church. You have power over what you think. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 5. It says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of obedience of Christ." Listen. Listen to what's being said here. This whole thing is about the thought life. He goes from this very big thing called strongholds down to arguments, down to thoughts. You know where strongholds come from? They come from thoughts. They become arguments. Have you ever had a debate in your mind? Uh-huh. And if you're not careful, you will allow that debate to become a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? It's a place of defense. It's a place where the enemy defends his truth against God's. Amen. And you know what? There's actually, the the funny thing is, is when you study this out and you pay any attention to it, there is actually biological chemistry that backs up that statement, you say, well, what can that be? Here, I'll give you a little bit of biology this morning. You're getting everything today. <laughs> when you think, it, 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 it's a pathway. There's, a, there's a, uh, neurons that create pathways. And between the cells, when, what happens is there's, we know this, there's electrical current and there's the firing of electricity that happens between cells, brain cells. Well, there's a chemical reaction that happens it's called the myelination of the uh, the neuron or the myelination of the synapse is actually what it is and what the myelination of the synapse does it makes it easier for the electrical current to fire so the more you think about something the easier it gets to think about that that's why we get trains of thought and habits of thinking it's like how come is that guy's always negative well because he always thinks negative and so it just becomes his default because he's trained his mind He's literally, there's chemistry at work. Well, in the spiritual, we call it a stronghold. It's a, it comes from an argument, a debate that you've lost. How many know this morning, not every thought is your thought? See, the devil this morning, he will sow thoughts into you. He'll sow his thoughts. He'll tell you, you know what, those folks down there, they don't care about you you have no proof of that. There's no evidence, but yet we think it. Or you know what? God don't love you. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yet in the, in the, in the face of that evidence, a thought will get sown. That is not a godly thought. That's a thought that comes from the pit of hell. Can you say Amen. Or you're worthless, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. And after a while, we hear those thoughts and we pay attention to them and we create a stronghold and this becomes the habit of our thinking, which ends up becoming the habit of our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So you have the power to overcome. You say, well, what do I got to do to overcome? You got to bring every thought into captivity. You've got, what you've got to do is retrain your thinking. There's somewhere what you have to do is you have to be intentional. You have to go, wait a second. That thought does not line up with the word of God. Right, right. Now, we've, now we're beginning to see something. If I don't know the word of God, how do I know that it doesn't line up? So all of a sudden, we begin to see that these pieces to this puzzle begin to come together as we're putting this thing together about growing. This is why we need trust in the Word and prayer and all of that, and now renew of our mind. So how do we get there? See, a renewed mind doesn't just happen. You're not going to wake up one morning and go, Oh, man, a miracle has happened. I just have, I have a brand new mind. That's not what's going to happen. It's one of those things in Christianity that is intentional. And a renewed mind begins this morning with surrender to the Holy Spirit. A renewed mind is a partnership between you and Holy Spirit. See, renewing our minds is not simply changing our thoughts, but it is giving the Holy Spirit full authority over the spirit of our mind. As you yield to him, and you fill your mind with him, he will transform your mind, which will transform your life. In, 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 in the verse we looked at, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Titus 3... Verses 4 and 5, he uses the same verbiage or the same thought to tell us how it's done. In Titus 3, 4 through 5, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit's job is to renew us. Can you say amen? He gives us this renewed place. It is his decisive work. It's what he does. What we must do is we must submit to that renewal. We must submit, and you say, how, how, do, you, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you what. The, the Holy Spirit is faithful. He is faithful. As you're going through life, I challenge you to do a test, even today, as you leave church. When you're, as you're pondering, as you're driving, you go to, if you go to lunch, or if you go home, or whatever you do, as you're going, as thoughts come, you will hear, if you pay attention, you'll hear, don't, don't, don't think that. That's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit. And that when temptation comes, if, if things come up, your brand of temptation, your thing comes up, you'll hear Holy Spirit say, don't, don't go there, don't go there. Right. Now, you say, well, man, that's not very loud. No, it's not. You say, how do I turn up the volume? By paying attention to it. Amen. As you pay attention to that, as you pay attention to that voice, that voice comes in clearer and clearer and clearer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, having a renewed mind this morning is more than having the ability to quote Scripture. Having a renewed mind this morning is seeing from a divine perspective. Having a renewed mind is thinking with the mind of Christ and partaking in the divine nature. Isn't that what he told us? See, that we could be partakers of the divine nature, that there could be a transposition of nature... That that old, fallen nature could be transformed into his nature in our lives? See, the mind of Christ is the nature of God. It's the nature of God to walk and live in righteousness, to live or, or to love unconditionally, to extend the kingdom of God to confront storms, to destroy the works of the devil, and to overcome evil with good. That's the mind of Christ to heal bodies, to raise the dead, to open blind eyes, to seek and to, see, to seek and find those that are lost. And this renewal begins when we intentionally and consistently surrender our mind over to the power of the Holy Spirit by steadfastly focusing on the reality of Christ in our lives. Now, I know that sounds very ethereal, and I get it. It does. I love uh, Shay. Uh, my daughter-in-law was talking to me the other day, and she made this statement. She goes, what does this really look like? What, What is, what, 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 what does this look like? So I want to give you something about this, about the training of your mind that may be a little bit more practical in its nature. And the first thing is, is that we've got to control the spirit of our mind. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not things of the earth. It's fairly clear, isn't it, that somewhere there is a set to our mind. We have to set our mind on things above not things of the earth. What does that mean? That means thinking about him. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look it, gird up the loins of your mind be sober. Let me deal with that sober. What does that mean? It means that we're not drunk with everything that travels through our mind. It means that we don't allow ourselves to get distracted, that we recognize distraction. Go, no, no, that's not good for me to think about. That's not, I'm going to, I'm going to control the thoughts I'm going to pay attention to what I'm thinking about. Then he uses this very weird term, this gird up the loins of your mind. And that's kind of a little bit weird to us because that's really cultural in nature. We don't have this culture anymore. But what would happen back in the old Roman and Greek societies of the New Testament day, the first century, most of the men, what they wore, you know, men didn't wear blue jeans. You know, blue jeans is a relatively new invention as far as the timeline goes. Most of the men they wore robes and, and robes were hard to get around in It was hard to move fast it, You know, if it required you to move fast A robe would be cumbersome Or, or if there was some sort of physical effort To, to be exercised it, it was very You never saw the Olympic Games with guys wearing robes okay, I won't tell you how they did the games back then But anyway, they didn't do them in robes Let me tell you that Okay, so what gird up the, What would happen is most men, they wore a belt or what was called a girdle, and it would go around their waist, of course. And what they would do is they would take their robe and they would pull it up and they would tuck it in so that they could move. It was a preparation for battle. It was a preparation. In other words, they were preparing to get something done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he uses this illustration, gird up. That's what they called it. So i got to get girded up. Gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, prepare your mind. Literally what he's talking about is he's talking about disciplining our thinking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Discipline your thinking. Bringing every thought, every thought, into captivity. In other words, the idea is, is that there is accountability for our thinking. It's, it's like, wait a second, I just thought that thought. I'm not sure if it's mine or not, but I'm going to measure it to the Word of God. And if it doesn't measure up to the Word of God, then I'm going to reject that thought. That's girding up your loins. The second thing is control what influences your thinking. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In other words, you're going to become what you hang around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, yeah. but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Yeah. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. What is he talking about? He's talking about somewhere we have to pay attention to what influences us. And this is the problem today, church, for, for most Christians. This is the problem for Christianity, I would say. We have probably are living in a time now where there's been more ability to be influenced than any other time on the planet. Just with that technology, just the fact that the world is literally at our hands in our phone. I mean, we can, we can instantly access stuff, good and bad, in a moment's notice, and there has to be a discipline to understand that that stuff is not neutral. It's not neutral. It's not like, well, okay, you know, the old story, I can look but not touch, or I can, you know, I can read the menu, I don't have to eat the food. That, the, no, no, it's influencing you. If at anything, it's desensitizing you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, who you influence, or who, I should say, who influences you has a lot to do with your thinking. And ultimately, your living. Listen to this interesting scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. He says, and he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will give, be given to you besides. In other words, what he's saying is, if you listen to nothing but negative, you're going to get nothing but negative. You're going to get more. You listen to positive, you'll get, you'll get nothing but positive. In other words, you get to choose. That's the good news. Church, this is not being done. Uh, uh, we, we're not handicapped here. We get the right to choose. We've been empowered. We're no longer under the, the authority of the law and sin. The, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight verse two, it says, "The law of the, spirit of, the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. I am free to choose. I get to choose. Finally, as we close, what you cultivate dominates. Years ago, a friend of mine said these words. He says, what you pay attention to, you create a passion for. And that's so simply true. It, when you spend time thinking about something, you create passion for it. In Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Why? because you'll create a passion for them. It will dominate your thinking and ultimately it will dominate your life. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And in Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for consider him lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Are you hearing me? So what we pay attention to means a lot. So here we are. We've come to the end of this series. and We've talked about growth, and we have some choices to make. We can just let it be another sermon series and go, well that was fine preaching and praise God, or what we can do is go, you know what, God? I really do need to work on trusting you. I need I need to trust you. You know that that verse, that verse in Proverbs three, it came to me, I don't know, a year ago or so now. And I did just that, I turned that into a prayer. I turned it into a prayer said, Lord, I will trust you with all my heart. I will not lean to my own understanding, but I will acknowledge you. You know, I was thinking about that. It was funny, and I'm going to say something. I'll tell a little story about Kathy, but please don't draw any inference to this. just was kind of a moment, because it's going to sound negative, but I don't mean it negative to her. Yesterday, we, we were at the house, and she was busy doing her thing, cleaning and stuff, and she was looking at something on her phone and I said something to her i don 't remember I was, I was probably asking her to get me something that's usually what's happening and she kept looking at her phone and so I asked again and then I asked again and then you know now now the game's on i'm going to be i 'm going to be an irritant <laughs> I looked at her finally she now she's now she's the game's on now she's going to ignore me and the, so we're, we're equally matched. It's, it's you know, we're, we're going to have fun with this. And I said to her, and it dawned on me when I said it, it took me, I, I said to her, I says all I want you to do is acknowledge me. And I thought, what does that mean to me? And I thought, you know, what that means is when I say something, I want to know you heard it. Don't you, doesn't, don't you hate that? Especially if you've got teenagers, you really know what this means like, hey, 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 bubba. Hey. Hey. What? Acknowledge me. And our Father in heaven, he says, don't, don't. He says, trust me with all your heart. Don't try to figure this out. But acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. You know what? It's like, God, I hurt you. God, I'm hearing you. Okay, I got it. I'm hearing you, God. Okay, I'm not. I'm not doing this real well yet, but God, I heard you. And He says, and if you'll do that, I'll guide you. I'll direct your path. <coughs> Trust. And then He told us about the Word, and I cannot. You know, you, you this congregation is with it enough to know that the Word is irreplaceable. It can't. We we just cannot. We cannot have. I'll tell you what. I'll make a deal with you. The only, the only food you can have in real life, the food, is whatever is equal to the word that you're reading. <laughs> We're going to get skinny quick. I'll leave that alone. And then, you know what? Be in a relationship with him. Build that relationship. Talk to him. When when, when when the sky is a brilliant blue tell him how much you love it when you see flowers that are blooming say man Lord thank you for those flowers yes. and then finally allow Holy Spirit to renew your mind yes. and see Holy Spirit's going to use all of those things that trust the word and prayer and intimacy with the Father he's going to use all of that to renew your mind and it's going to transform you can you say amen why don't you bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much, God, for the revelation that you've given us. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. And we pray today, God, that you'd help us. Father, we are all at different stages of growth in this process. And Father, there's no way that we could ever come up with one prayer that would fit all of us. Except to say, Lord, we need you. And we ask for your help. We ask you to encourage us and to strengthen us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, as we go from this place today, we ask that you would continually remind us of this truth. Lord, that it would develop in us and grow. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I'm not right with God. But I would like to give my life to Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you were at one time, but somehow you drifted. you, You disconnected, but you want to come back and rededicate your life. If that's you, would you lift your hands all across this place? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that one, that one, that one. Thank you. I see that one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.